Which means what does the grace produce? Joy in our lives. Amen. Once you have the grace, and of which is assured, it's promised, we shall be joyful. Yeah, in the next verses he will explain how this joy and this grace is all about security. This joy he was wishing the Christians, how it is secure. How... The power of God's grace from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. Some people have had so many views of grace. Some use it as an excuse for sinning more and more. Others use it as a great form of sorrow. In this someone, Brother David Kemis is going to be sharing with us what the grace of God really is. Hope it blesses you and hope you listen in more and more to these different someones as they go on. Today we shall be looking at uh, the book of First Peter. Amen. So we should get our Bibles and we go through it. The book of First Peter, chapter one, basically from verse one to verse twelve. And the theme for today, or the theme for today's word is the power of God's grace. The power of God's grace. Amen? And hopefully by the end of the day today, I will have looked at what the meaning of grace is, but not only the meaning of grace, but understanding what God's grace can do in our lives as Christians. Praise God. Can you hear me? Like that, without the mic? Yes. As I said before, the theme of the day is the power of God's grace. And hopefully by the end of the day, we'll look at how, not only the meaning of grace, but how grace impacts our life as Christians. But first before that, let's look at who was Peter? Who was Peter? Before we look and we see what the Bible is telling us today. Who was Peter? Peter was a fisherman, as you know all, before he came to work for God. He was a good, successful fisherman, works in the lake all the day, catches his fish, and he was successful. Amen? Not only that, but he was also married. We see that in, uh, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 1. Amen? When he talked of his giving elderly advice. So Peter was a fisherman, not only a fisherman, but successful fisherman. And Peter, being a human being, he also had his ups and downs. There were moments when he was at his peak. There were moments when he was also at his feet. And one of the high moments in Peter's life is that he performed miracles as a disciple of God, of Jesus. Amen? He performed miracles. That was a wonderful moment at Peter's life. He observed miracles when Jesus was performing. So nice. Is it not good to see miracles happening? Very good indeed. Thank you. Then also, he observed the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That's all Peter. Amen? But as a believer, as a human being, we also have our doubts. All moments when we are stranded. Peter himself also... Peter was rebuked by Jesus Christ, and it was a very strong rebuke. Before Jesus was crucified during his trial moments towards his death, Peter told him, Master, if it's too heavy, let's run away. Do you know what Jesus told him? Go away, devil. Amen? It is not easy. That was when Peter fell belittled. Amen? Not only that, Jesus, Peter denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. And more interestingly, unfortunately, all the four gospel writers mentioned Peter's denial of Jesus Christ. If you read from the Gospel of Luke, Mark, John, all of them mentioned how Peter denied Jesus Christ. So that was purely uh, one of 
the worst moments, let me say, in Peter's life. Amen? Yes. Peter also, we look at Peter as being a leader at the church. If you study the book of Acts, chapter 2, you see that Peter was the first to preach the gospel. Amen? For many people, when he stood up and preached the gospel, Peter was the first to preach the gospel. And that shows that he was a leader in the church. Peter also stood up against the Jewish leaders. Amen? He was a leader. And Peter also stood up for the Gentiles. If you look at chapter 15, when the Christians were saying, no, the Gentiles they were segregating, the Gentiles are not supposed to receive grace. The Gentiles are not supposed to receive God's grace. He stood up and said, the gospel is not only for the Jews, but both for the Jews and the Gentiles. He was truly a leader. Then we also look at Peter the author. It's unfortunate that Peter never went to school. He never went to the medical school. Like some of you who came and studied theology. Peter's knowledge or Peter's education was basically the work of the Spirit. Amen? He believed in God. And he wrote two books, majorly the ones we know. He wrote first Peter's and second, second Peter's. But there's also a belief that Mark's gospel was uh, Peter's experience with Jesus being dejected or being sold to Mark and he was writing. Amen? Then gave birth to the gospel of Mark. So that is briefly the life of Peter. Peter wrote uh, this letter of Peter, or the book of let, uh, First Peter. He basically, both of the letters actually, First Peter and Second Peter, he wrote them to the people in Asia, or minor Asia, currently called Turkey. Right? Those days it was called minor Asia, but currently known as Turkey. He wrote this around 64 to 65 AD, near the ends of his life. Amen? Near the ends of his life, that's when he wrote these two books. He died in Rome, and he was crucified up and down. You know very well that. Yeah, he refused to be crucified like his master. Then he said, turn me upside down, crucify my head down and my legs up, because I'm not worthy to die like my master. Then in the year around 67 AD, Peter fulfilled Jesus' promise, uh, prophecy. That's when he died, and we see that in John chapter 20, 1 verse 18. So, Peter's death was a prophecy, like he was just fulfilling what Jesus said. His crucifixion upside down was a, pro was a prophecy that Jesus had talked about before that. Yeah, that's all about Peter. Amen? So Peter was wonderful. That taught me one thing. Even though you have not gone to school, you can still preach the word. Yeah? Yeah, even though you have not gone to school, you can still preach the word. So today, we want to look at exactly what is the meaning of grace? What is the definition of grace? And what does grace do to our lives? People like us, who are like Peter, who have ups and downs, moments where we are high and moments where we are down. We want to look at what God's grace does to our life. Amen. But first, before that, before we look at what grace does to our life, I want to talk about briefly how people have misunderstood the word grace. Amen? I hope you're still with me. The word grace has been, when you mention to someone, what is grace? What do you understand by grace? Many times people misunderstood it, not in a biblical way, according to their own way. And one thing they, they refer grace to be is to be a form of liberalism. Yeah, some people say faith is, okay, grace is a form of liberalism where God, because we are saved by the grace, we can do anything, we have the liberty because we are in the grace. Which means God will not look at our sin because we are saved by the grace. Is it that? Is it so? Is it that way? What does the Bible tell us? Uh, if you look at Romans chapter 1, where Paul talks about, uh, when you look at 
Romans chapter 6, verse 1, where Paul says, Shall we continue sinning so that the grace may be, so that the grace may increase? No. Amen. Paul was telling us, Shall we continue sinning so that the grace may increase? No, brethren. It's not like that. Because Paul also says, actually before that, Paul was telling the people, the Romans, that grace is not an excuse for us who are in Christ to continue sinning. Amen? Because he made it very clear, the Bible made it very clear in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and it says, the wages for sin is what? Is death. So don't say grace is liberalism. I'm saved by the grace. I can continue sinning. Remember, he also tells you that the wages for sin is it? Death. So that is not liberalism. Is not grace. Then we also some people say being in grace. Oh, grace means permissiveness. What does permissiveness mean? According to you, being permissive, like, yeah, God is God because I'm in the grace. God will not do anything. God will not consider my sins. Amen? But remember, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment side, before the judgment seat of Christ. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So does it sound like God is permissive with our sins? No, he does not. So, brethren, grace is not permissiveness. Another thing people think of is grace is wildness, that by grace we are going to heaven, come what it may. Amen? The Bible says we are saved by the grace. So, we are just here for some few moments in the world, we have to enjoy. What we know is by the end of the day, No effort in building the church. No effort in preaching the word. Yeah, we are just enjoying and we go to heaven because we are in the grace. No. That's why you see most of the days, this time, people come to church one day, then they go out to the world three, four weeks, then they come again to the church because they think grace is wildness. Amen? Because they think grace is wildness, which is not true. Yes, Paul says, Paul the Apostle says, uh, we are saved by the grace. Amen? But this grace should transform us. Amen? The grace we are saved with should transform us. He says that uh, Christians produce spiritual fruits, and those spiritual fruits are love joy, patience, kindness, as well as self-control. I love when my sister there was saying she controlled what the devil was trying to use her for. That's what Paul is telling us. That by this grace, amen, as Christians, we should produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That is love, joy, self-control. So you cannot tell me when Brother Amos comes to me and says, I tell him, you know what, Brother Amos, I did that because my friend was the one pushing me. We are friends. Remember the Bible, Paul is telling you that you as a Christian, you should have self-control. Yes, the last thing, or maybe the last according to me, and the one I like, if I say I like, does not mean I practice it, or used to practice it. Some people think that grace is premeditation. And that is the worst thing. People play around with the grace to their own advantage. Amen? The most dangerous game in the spiritual world is presuming in God's grace. Thinking you can sin today. Amen? Then the grace of God covers your tracks. It's very dangerous. You think you're not sick, you think you're in your room, 
They are like me who sit in F123 and my own room and continue sitting. Yeah, the grace of God is there, you cover up for me. That is the most dangerous misconception of grace. Because you're presuming God's grace. You're playing around with the grace to your own advantage. Amen? So those are some of the ways people are mistaking the word grace these days. People take it for their own advantage. People say it is liberalism. People say it's perverseness. People say it is wildness. And this is not what the grace is. Amen? Yeah, with all that, let's look at what the book of First Peter's. Yeah, some people like to study the book of uh, Romans, the book of uh, Galatians. Yeah, those two books are very okay. It's where the grace and the benefits of, uh, actually where the benefits of God's grace is well explained. Amen? Those two books. But the book of First Peter is where we look at what this grace does to us as Christians. What does it produce in our life as Christians? Yeah, I hope our Bibles are out. Let's dive into the Word. Hope you're still with me. Let's look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Someone with the mic, please, you can help us. First Peter, yes. chapter 1, verse 1. Mm -hmm. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Asia, and Bithynia, to according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, it has been a Verse 1. Let's first stop in verse 1. Let's look at verse 1. Yeah, in verse 1, Peter was introducing himself. He first introduced himself that, hey, I'm Peter. Amen? Hey, I'm Peter. So unfortunately, these days, the letters were like, what do we do? You first start with, hey, John. Then you know, the body, then down there, hey, it's your friend, David. But those days, people write the letter. You first start with your name. Like, if I'm writing, I'm also I'm David. Blah, 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 blah. Are you being friend? Amos. So that's what Peter was trying to demonstrate there. Amen? Yeah. Then also in the verse 1, Peter directs himself. He tells the people he was writing to clearly that he's an apostle. He introduces himself that, hey, I'm an apostle. Not only a mere apostle, I was chosen by Christ. Amen? I was chosen by Christ. That gives him the authority of whatever he's going to write. Amen? Yeah. Just imagine you write a letter to your friend. You don't introduce yourself. Will your friend read? You even wonder, but who is this writing this? Even though you write something nice, you will not read or you will not understand. But when you introduce yourself, hey, Job, it's your friend David, the one you sleep with, Next to, it's your classmate David. He gets interested in reading, right? That's what uh, Peter was writing. And the letter he was writing, he was directing to the Christians in minor Asia, the current Turkey. Amen? The people who are living in Cappadocia, Bithynia, and others. Yes, let's go to verse 2. Amen. So let's look at verse 2. In verse 2, Peter offers a blessing. I don't know. I hope our Bibles are out. Uh, my Bible is closed, so I may not be referring mass into the Bible. Amen. So I'll be using your Bibles around. So Peter in verse 2 offers a blessing to the people, to the Christians there. And he says, what was the blessing he was giving? Blessing. Yes? He was giving the blessing. And what was the blessing? The grace and peace be upon you in full measure. That was the blessing in verse 2. Peter was praying for. Amen? Just like our brothers in the Catholic, no, I studied in the Catholic school. I love their 
Okay, I love, I'm, actually one time I loved, I, I wanted to be a bishop also, because I love the way he does his thing when he goes, and you know, he's doing, giving the last blessings, and you understand? And when we used to be young also, we enjoyed the way they would eat the Holy Communion up there. So, I always loved to be in front there at the altar. So here, Peter was giving a blessing. He was praying to the, to, to the Christians. And he was like, the grace and peace be upon you in full measure. But not only that, why do you think these Christians, I don't know what else to do this, ask yourself, why is Peter saying he's supposed to receive the grace in full measure. Amen? Why should they receive the grace in full measure? One, they were Christians. And being a Christian means that Jesus died and shed his blood for them. Amen? So Jesus' death on the cross was not for, I don't know, not for his Godfather. It's for you, the Christian. It's for you and me. So we ought to receive that grace and peace in full measure. Then the Christians also obeyed the gospel through undergoing baptism. I understand. Is there anyone who is not baptized in the room? Yeah, if you're not baptized, you see Brother Amos, then he will take you where necessary. Amen? It's very important because baptism, baptism is a sign that you died with Christ, amen? You died with Christ, and on the third day you resurrected with him, with Christ. It is very important to undergo the sacrament of baptism. Yeah, so doing that, obeying Jesus or obeying God through baptism gives us the access to receive that grace and peace in full measure. Then also, another thing is that the Spirit was with them. The Spirit was working with them. The Spirit was in them. So they ought to receive that grace in full measure. Then lastly, he said, God knows them from the beginning that whoever believes in his Son, that is more interesting, whoever believes and accepts Jesus Christ will receive the grace and peace. That's your question. And that's my question. Amen? The foreknowledge of God. He knows very well before you were born from the prophets that whoever accepts his son Jesus Christ will receive the grace. Amen? So that is verse 2 and that's what Peter was saying. Now when we look at uh, That is verse 2, and that's what Peter was saying. It is also so interesting that Peter linked the death of Christ to the sprinkling of blood by the high priest. What does it mean to sprinkle blood in the Old Testament? Those who read the Old Testament very well, around Moses' book of Exodus, Leviticus, right? What do they used to do when they go and offer sacrifices? So the high priest, uh, who was the one who ordained uh, to offer that sacrifice, would kill the animal, and then the blood of that animal would be sprinkled on the altar where you know that sacrificial thing is done. And then that blood is sprinkled on every Israelite that was there in the house. That signifies sanctification and purification of their sins. Amen. What does it signify? Sanctification and purification of their sins. So what Peter was trying to do here is he was trying to link Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus was that lamb. Amen. That's the way he says when you bring the lamb, what does it do? Slaughter the lamb and get the blood and sprinkle everyone. Everything, right? Yeah, Jesus also did that for us. His death, the blood he said on the cross. Amen. Peter was saying that blood 
sanctified us. That blood purified us. Amen? That's what Peter was telling them. Then he prays that the blessing of grace and peace as a result of their salvation through Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't be offended at the end of the sermon when I ask you, how do we receive salvation? Because I'm just telling you that the blessing of grace and peace as a result of their salvation through Jesus Christ was known and promised by God. Amen? That grace and the peace, their salvation, our salvation, your salvation, and my salvation, amen, is through Jesus Christ. Not only that, but also it was promised by God. Long time ago, before I was born, before you were born, it was promised long time ago. And Peter was saying that it's true, this promise, amen, it's true, this grace, it's true, this salvation in Christ, that we should experience the joy of the grace and the peace. Remember what my theme was? The power of God's grace. And what did we say we are going to look at by the end of the sermon? We should understand what this grace does to our life as Christians. I'm just telling you here also that we should enjoy. Amen? We should enjoy. The, we should experience the joy of this grace and peace. Which means what does the grace produce? Joy. And of which is assured, it's promised. We shall be joyful. Yeah, in the next verses, he will explain how this joy and this grace is all about security. This joy he was wishing the Christians, how it is secure, how it gives an assurance of security. Amen? So let's look at verse 3 to verse 5. Yes, brother. I know my time is running down. First, I have to conclude. Yes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. According to his great mercy, he has caused to us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is verse 3. So, what was Peter saying? Through God's mercy. Amen? So, it was God's plan according to God. That's that phrase alone, according to God. So it was not your plan, it was not my plan. It was God's plan. Amen? It is not your plan, it's not my plan, it's God's plan that uh, through the death of Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Amen? Through his death and resurrection we shall be saved. And he's also saying salvation and he's accompanying it with the grace is not being a human intervention or being a human thing it's god's thing it is god's plan that he is giving me and you that grace amen it's god's plan it's god's thing that is giving me and you keep that in mind amen it is not from your father it's not from your mother neither from your brother or sister it is god's property that grace is God's property, not any other person. So, in verse 4, yes, verse 4, brother. To an encouragement that is imperishable, undefiled, unfailing, kept in heaven for you. Amen. So, you're saying, I told you, keep in mind that it is God's plan to give you that grace. And it's using that grace that you will inherit. Amen. What did he say there? Something that is imperishable. What is that thing God is telling us? What is that thing God wants us to inherit? One. Some people say, what is our inheritance in God? One. The glorified life. And the eternal life. When we resurrect from the death, our bodies or our soul will not be the same as we are living. 
Amen? It is something different. That's why he says it is glorified and the ethano. Ethano means not only the length of how long you're going to live, because other people say it is everlasting, right? In mathematics, they say infinity. But not only the infinity of the life, but also the quality of that life you're going to live. I remember Sunday schools when we used to go and attend Sunday school. Uh, they will tell you when you be in Jesus Christ, when you die, you resurrect, then you will enjoy apples, fruits. No, you understand? Some life, some, you don't have to look for food. What you do is just call for food. Uh, Holy Spirit, I'm hungry, I eat chicken. That's what our Sunday school teacher was telling us by then. But what he was, I just analyzed and said, eh, that guy was talking of something. He was talking of the quality of life we are going to live when we resurrect with him. Christ. And that is our inheritance. Amen? And that is not, that is our inheritance. Yeah, verse 5. Verse 5. Who by God's power are being guided through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. So as we wait for this inheritance of ours, it's through God's guidance. What do you mean? As we wait for this inheritance, God is what? Guiding us through the Holy, Holy Spirit. So that one day, when that day comes, for that inheritance to be revealed, we shall be there. Amen. And that's why that inheritance is the glorified life and the eternal life. And when shall it be revealed? When Jesus comes again. Amen. It is not revealed right now because Jesus is not coming today, tomorrow, yesterday. I don't know when. But God is telling us here that it shall be revealed when my son, Jesus, comes again. Amen? So, I want you to see this. God has assured you of grace. Amen? And it's through this grace that we are waiting for our inheritance. And the inheritance will be revealed when Jesus comes again. Are we okay? Yes. Yes, you continue. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been freed by various trials. Amen. Another thing is, in verse 5, he talked of the inheritance being in Yeah, These days, people look for money, people look for cars, people look for buildings, people look for good shoes, people want to look nice. Yeah, that's all good. But remember that when you die, that's the bitter truth. Eh? When you die, you will not go with all these things. Amen? Will you carry on your shoes? Even though you have 15 shoes, pairs of shoes, you'll be buried with one. If you're fortunate enough to be dead and you're near home, and if you're sold there when you die in the bush, you even go with that shoes there. Yeah. You leave your nice house, your nice car, all behind. Leave for your children. If you have factories and what, give to your child maybe job. Two, three years, just candle everything. Just disappear. Amen? But remember that one day you will have to stand on the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So what we should be must working for what we should be working for is that during that day, as we stand before Christ, amen, by the grace that God has assured us, we should be chosen. Amen? We should be among those who are taken with Christ. Yeah. So that's what he was saying in verse 5. In verse 6, as he read, uh, so this gift. Yes, verse 6. You have read verse 6. Okay. But before that, I want us to do something. I've been talking of grace, 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 grace. A serial Christian asked, or me even asked myself, how am I supposed to be feeling? We have been talking of grace. God has a lot of grace. 
God has told us the grace is coming. It is a sword. It is there. You will inherit. How am I supposed to be feeling about this grace? Amen. Then Peter says to them, you know what? Yeah. Don't worry. Once you have the grace, you should, be, you should feel secure. Why should you feel secure? It's from God. It's God's promise. Be assured it will happen. It will be given to you. Amen? So, in verse 6, he said, you should rejoice. It is because of this. It is because of us knowing that the grace God promised is secure. It's coming from God. So come rain on sunshine. We shall receive it. Amen? That's why you're telling the people, the Christian, rejoice. Amen? Give us read it again. Read it again. Six, yeah? Mm -hmm. Six and seven, actually. In this, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Seven. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it's tested by fire. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you can see. Verse 1, verse 3, verse 5, he was telling you, please, this grace is as well. Yeah, you understand? He was trying to convince you and tell you the truth that this grace is as well for you. Then he's saying, rejoice. Okay? Because as you're waiting for the revelation, of this inheritance you are going to get, you be, you may be grieved with some trials. You, me, the Christians then, and the Christians to come. As you wait for the revelation of the inheritance, you will be grieved with trials. Uh, who amongst us here? Uh, at least me, I know myself. I'm going under trials. Who amongst us here says uh, he's perfect? He does not have any trial. Maybe I can learn from you. <laughs> How you're managing. Everyone is going through trial. Tiso. Very unfortunate to hold one day that some of your blocks of love when you fall. You know, they are trying to be a good Christian. Then your friends come that. Ah, I'm not bad for it. So these days you're pretending that you're not with us. What are the things you are going through? Right? But Peter is telling us that even though we go through these trials, rejoice, be happy. It is unfortunate that in this world, it is the opposite actually what was Peter. If someone tells you your, your, your car has just burned down and your store has burned, then someone tells you rejoice, <laughs> be happy, go and give thanks. Actually, like someone comes and knocks your car down and says, Go and thank that pastor. Is it possible? Right now, in our world. It's not. But it only happens in the kingdom. Amen? It only happens for those who are in the kingdom. If you're with God and you know very well that this grace is going to come, I'm going to inherit, I'm going to die, I'm going to leave this car, you'll be happy. If you know you don't have tissue problems, you know that my education is a secondary thing to the inheritance I will receive from my father. Amen? Even though you go home, not educated, but you still can preach the word. Just the way Peter is doing. He never went to a biblical school, but he wrote the books. Amen? So those will, that should be the cause of our joy. And that is what happens to a Christian. That, what, that is what grace produces when you are a Christian. And then my theme says the power of God's grace. Amen? Yeah. So we as Christians, we should rejoice. We should rejoice even though we are going through trials. Because we know very well we are going to achieve our inheritance in God. Then also, the other thing you should be knowing is that once you rejoice in your trials, it really glorifies Lord. It glorifies God. What does it show if you rejoice? Like if I go and I'm on this, you understand how I'm feeling? 
comes in, it means that I've never seen him do that way. Oh, I know He's always happy. Amen? Then, I ask him, Amos, why are you very happy? He says, Amos, what do you say? Why are you happy all the time? Yeah, you answer that later. <laughs> so, once we are happy in our trial, it confirms the genuine faith we have in Christ. Let's look at, uh, maybe I can, we cannot go to read, but if you read James uh, chapter 3, verse 18, amen? When you suffer in our trials, when we rejoice in our trials, it confirms that we have the belief, we have the faith for Christ. It demonstrates the really genuine faith you have. That's why you were laughing when I say when your car burns down, you should rejoice. Amen? So a true Christian, someone who knows he's going to inherit, will rejoice. And that one shows his genuine faith. Another thing is that when you rejoice in your trials, you honor Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says there we offer our body, not your friend's body, not your father's body, as a sacrifice for Christ. Our body. So when we rejoice in our problems, when we rejoice in our trial, we are honoring Jesus. We are glorifying Jesus. Amen? Uh, thirdly, when you rejoice in your problem, it generates love and joy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Huh? Just imagine someone slaps you and say, yeah, thank you, I love you. Someone kicks you and say, ah, you know, I don't want to fight. Just thank you, go. So it generates love and joy. Amen? When we rejoice in our suffering. You know, there's a question. Someone asked that. Peter, actually, it was Peter who asked that. How do you know you belong to the kingdom? How do you know, Jacob? You belong to the kingdom. How do you know you belong to the kingdom? But the kingdom means that you're that person who is a steward of what? The grace. The inheritance. How do you know you belong to the kingdom? You only know that when you rejoice. Okay? When your sufferings produce joy, peace, kindness, instead of fear. That's when you say, okay, yeah, I'm in the right track. When you have notice on fee, you're happy. Not happy because like in secondary school where you're tired of school and you want to go home. Eh? So you even pray that uh, parents will not pay the tuition fee, like the school fees. Eh? Yeah, I felt that in senior two, I was really very tired of school. Now my school fees was paid halfway. So all the time they will say, school fees default us. Even before calling my name, I was already up. <laughs> I did that twice. The third time, Kumbe, my brother, had paid the what? The school fees. So they called and my name was not there. Say, Dos, my name. You missed my name. <laughs> then he said, Ah, Kemis, you can sit. Yours is cleared. I was pissed that day. I was pissed because I wanted to go. I would go and loiter in town, move around. Because I would always come back to school in the evening and tell him, Do you know what? My brother promised that he will pay you in next week's time, in a week's time. So I'll first go and enjoy, come back, like that. But when the school fees was paid, I had to remain in class. It is not that rejoicing, that because you want to go home. No. But Peter is saying that you have to be happy. You have to be hopeful that you will complete the tuition. Amen? That is the rejoicing Peter is talking about. Yes. So today, Peter is telling me and you that we should feel secure when you're having, when we are having the, the grace. Amen? We should feel secure when we are having the, the grace. Yeah, you can see the guy there informing me already. So he finishes in verse 10. Let me leave verse 8 and let's go and see what is in the end. He finishes with verse 10 to verse 12. Give us read for us verse 10 and 12. Then we conclude. Mm -hmm. uh, concerning this observation, the prophets 
Bibles. You see, what Peter was telling these guys is that uh, God's grace is not human thing. You should understand. Okay? It is not human. It is his own plan. And it does not start with you. This grace we are talking about started from the prophets long time ago. It was passed carefully from one generation to another. Waiting for that day that it shall be revealed. Amen? Waiting for that day, it shall be revealed. And it is already revealed to us. Amen? And how was it revealed? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work now. At least, all of us here, maybe from my sister, we all know that there's that baby. Amen? We also know very well that there's some inheritance God has given us. That's why even when you attend five years, when someone says you go to hell, you say, nah, no, no, I'll go to heaven. Amen? It is revealed to us already. It is revealed to everyone. So it is now our duty to take the advantage of that grace that is revealed to us and we use it. Amen? And don't use it because you want to premeditate by yourself that it will cover my tracks. No. Use it. Rejoice in your suffering. Use it means that you should be well versed in knowing that I will inherit. Amen? So that when trials come, you will be happy. Amen? Yeah. I wanted to say something, but I know I was told by my friend since primary that no, we went for a funeral. Eh? That's why for me, I don't go for funerals when people are still crying. That's the bitter truth about myself. Yeah, I'm telling myself. Once I go for a funeral, yeah, I'll be sad. Yeah, even though it's my relative, eh? I'll be sad. By reaching some moment, I'll start laughing. I'm not, I'm not laughing because <laughs> I'm an evil person. No. <laughs> but what people do end up abusing me. Amen? Yeah, you see someone saying, I want to enter the grave, what? God, I end up laughing. So what I've decided is that I'll always go for funeral. Uh, I'll go in the beginning, then I go after burial. Because it is always during that point of burial that everyone runs crazy, eh? and I don't want to <laughs> embarrass myself in public. Yeah, so it is there. Rejoice in your problems. Because we are assured of their grace. It's a security. Actually, Peter went ahead and told them that, do you know what? This grace is equal to security. We all understand security, right? When you have security at home, what happens? You feel, yeah, no thieves will come in. We are secure. Even hang your clothes and leave them out. I don't know whether we are secure here in the Uganda matters. When you hang your clothes, do they steal them? I hope they don't. Eh? But uh, in college, I remember they, we, we have a slogan that correct any mistake. So if you put your clothes like this and move out, <laughs> I know we are so ignorant that we never knew that picking someone's thing is the same as feeling. Eh? Or we thought we could just say, or we are sharing. So when you hang your clothes, I come on. Yeah? You understand? I use it for three, three, four days. I turn it back to you. Oh, if you get it, yeah, I'll give it willingly. No argument when they, when you're caught, you don't argue. You say, ah, sorry, brother, it was my mistake, and even took it purposely. So, 
having security is the same as having the grace. Or having grace is the same as having security. Why is it the same? Because the grace comes from God. That's a sweet thing. I know all of us here, our fathers have promised us one thing one day. Remember when I was in P2? I was not number one. Eh? I was number two. But I never knew that my father wanted me to be number one. So he said, you know what, Kemis? If you pass number one, Basco. I'm telling you, even before having the Basco, before passing number one, I was already owning the Basco. I was thinking, yeah, if I get the Basco, I'll go and brag around. I'll buy. There are those things, I don't know what you call them. The, the horn, eh? Like this one's you press and something, ding, ding, ding. No, I don't want that one. There's one you press, eh? like a Vovozilla. I was already thinking of that one. Before even passing number one, that assurance from your father means a lot. Amen? Yeah, unfortunately, I even never passed number one, but I went to demand for it because I said, ah, father, you promised. Although they tried to talk me out, they said, now you see, ah, the bicycle is dangerous. We buy for you toy cars. I knew how to make toy cars. So I said, no, I need bicycle. I cried, 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 cried. I fell sick. They thought I would forget. I came back and said, Father, the bicycle. Until they bought it. So that is what grace is. When it comes from God, our Father from heaven, be assured that it will be given unto us. Okay? Then grace equals to security in a way that, uh, you know, the confidence in grace grows stronger with diversity. Amen? When you go through many trials, you also grow stronger. Just like my sister, let me use that example. The first ones gave the big girl toi. Then the second one, what did she do? She controlled. I'm sure if the third one was to happen, she would be used to. Because she knows that. Ah, she always does that. Amen? So it grows stronger. And that's why it is secure for us. The other thing is understood is that this grace you're talking about, it's not beginning with you. It lasted long time ago, all the ages. It was already there. Amen? So as we continue living, we should be well assured that our grace is secure. Yeah, sometimes the fear, because of the fear, we fear to do some things because of our past. But remember, our past have been hand, has been solved because Jesus died for us. Our past is well covered. Amen? The day you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your past, your past deeds were clear. Other people said it was clear, right? You become a born again. And your future is guaranteed. How is it guaranteed? Jesus resurrected from the dead. So you should be sure that your future, your inheritance, your promises are there waiting for you. So it is now you and me to work for them. Amen? Yeah. Remember this. Jesus promised. Yeah, it will not be easy. Amen? It won't be easy to follow Christ, to do his things, Trials will come, but is it worth it? Amen? It won't be easy to follow Christ. It won't be easy to follow the path. I will not tell you that if you're in Christ, everything will be smooth. No, I will be a liar. Even the disciples, the apostles went through a lot of trials. Amen? It won't be easy, but it's worth suffering for it. Amen? Yes, thank you very much for your attention. I think my time is up. I wish you a blessed Sunday. So that was uh, Brother Chemis, David, uh, with the power of God's grace. So, Brother Chemis, thank yes. you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. So, from what you're from sharing with us, uh, someone came up with a question. They, they would like you to enlighten them more. Uh, about from that session you're from sharing from they have a question of how can a christian live without sin yes praise god 
Right. I want to thank you very much. It has been a very nice Sunday. Uh, I want to thank the Almighty God for what He has given us. Uh, if you remember, like uh, I was talking about the power of God, okay? The power of God's grace in our lives as Christians. Where we looked at Peter writing this letter to the Christians, amen? Uh, basically, he was encouraging the Christians who are going through trial. And this question you have given unto me today is very nice. How can a Christian live without sin? Uh, basically, according to my own understanding, a Christian, you can't really say, I'm not going to sin. Because the Bible says, we are not perfect, like Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But I'm thinking, oh, we as Christians, we can look towards the Bible. We can look towards Christ. Amen. Because if you're saved, if you're saved by his power, by his death and resurrection, and you truly believe in it, the zeal to sin reduces. Amen. Because it's by God's grace. Remember, I said, God's grace, it is his, it is for God. Amen. How he gives us to how he gives it to us does not matter. How he gives it, when he gives it, to whom he gives it, does not matter. Because it is his. Amen. So, according to this question of yours, I have basically like three things a Christian should consider. Amen. If he wants to reduce on sin. One, we should trust in Jesus. We should give our life and fully trust in him. Because if you trust in Jesus Christ, you believe in him, you have faith in him, you have less time to think of other things that could cause you to to sin. Amen? Amen. And secondly, we as Christians, we should look, we should stay at the foot of the cross. Because it is from the cross that we are saved. It is from the cross that our salvation, Amen, through his son, Jesus Christ, we obtained our salvation from the cross. So we as Christians, we should always refer to the foot of the, to the cross. We always look upon Jesus Christ. Then thirdly, I want to give you a verse from Isaiah chapter uh, 40, 45, verse 22. Uh, Isaiah was telling us how a Christian ought to be dependent on God. Amen. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 45, I would like to read for you. Verse 45, uh, chapter 45, verse 22 says, uh, Turn to me and be saved, all the end of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Mm. Amen. Amen. So it's a perfect assurance. Mm. He said, made it very clear that turn unto me. Amen. Mm. And we shall be saved. Mm. So sinning, according to me, we can't avoid sin because we sin in various ways. We sin knowingly unknowingly through our thoughts mm. amen we sin but remember jesus also made it very clear to us that we should always pray and repent of our sin for we are not like jesus we are not perfect we are humans we always sin but we ought to repent all the time we ought to pray to jesus for our repentance amen mm. yes and i strongly believe that when we entrust our lives to christ we shall reduce on our sins and we shall live a pure life. Remember, he said, God's grace, he promised to give us God's grace. So it's um, a security to us. Amen. So it's our responsibility to pray and ask for it. Okay, thank you so much, Brother Kemis. I uh, hope the person that, ans that asked that question is surely answered and... Uh, Maybe also to add on from the sermon, according to First Peter chapter one, verse five. Uh, it, it the Bible. First uh, Peter here gave us an assurance, as Brother Kemis shared with us, that God is guiding us here. Uh, so for that person who is uh, who asked that particular that particular question, uh, meditate on that particular verse. God, but if that if you have the power of God with you, uh, you can surely sin less. 
So thank you, thank you for all listening.